0: Hello everyone, welcome to episode 123 of the Business of Making podcast. This week we're talking about all the businesses
1: that we have run over the years. We hope you enjoy it. Do you want to make it as a maker? This is the Business of Making podcast with your hosts Michaela
2: Denvers, Deb Engelmayer and Jess Van Den. We know from experience that growing a handmade business is bloody hard work. We're here to make it a little bit easier for you by dishing out reality-based, no BS, tried and tested advice on how to make your business work. Tune in every week for an honest conversation on what it
0: really takes to make a creative business a success. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Business of Making podcast. I'm Michaela. I'm here with my two extremely wonderful co-hosts, Deb. Hello. And Jess. And this week or this time around, I swear to God, every time I do the intro, I'm like, have this great like da-da-da-da-da and then I'm like, I lost my words. I don't know what I'm saying. (laughs) We are going to be talking about the businesses that we have run. And I feel like very, very early on in the podcast, we probably did a bit of a history episode and maybe talked about it a little bit. But this time, yeah, we're really kind of just going through all the different like ways that we have flexed our entrepreneurial skills and how that might have changed along the way. So Jess and Deb, who wants to go first? Should we do it like one at a time and then list them all? I think that would be kind of boring. Or should we do it like, you know, from this age to this age? Or Like the first phase, this is how I got into yeah, business. I
2: know. <laughs> the first business we all had. Let's start first. with that. And are we talking like official, like we got an A-B-N? No, I think the first way we tried to kind of independently make money. How about that? Okay. Oh, well, okay, can I go first? Yes. (laughs) I think you're the first.
0: When I was in year one, I collected up some of these old toys from around my house and I put them on my kitchen bench and I put little labels saying 20 cents or 50 cents for my parents to buy them and my mom was like oh look no <laughs> I'm not paying for your own toys so that was my first foray into trying to be Aww. a little bit
1: entrepreneurial <laughs> So oh that's really cute I forgot about baby businesses when you're really young I think it's mm. kind of your parents pushing you a little bit to do something I don't know I, I was selling um I think you guys call it lily in English but they're kinda of like wild lily. They're like these little white plants that grow in a garden runs well, spring in Europe. And they're kind of invasive, but they're really, really pretty. And you offer them when spring comes. Anyway, I was cutting them all in my garden and then I would go to the neighbors in the street and like trying to sell them my You're little too awesome. Things. <laughs> yeah, it's funny to think about because 'cause I'm like, they probably just successful? they say yes because, well, I felt super rich, but I probably had like five it wasn't even Euros, it was like francs <laughs> back then. So it's like one euro. <laughs> I don't know. But the neighbours always say yes because they're like, oh, it's a cute little Deb with a cute little flowers. We're not going to say no to her. That is cute. Oh, my God.
2: You would have been adorable as a little girl. Mm. Big brown eyes and your big poofy, like yeah, curly hair. I,
1: my hair wasn't all that curly. It was definitely very oh, wavy. Yeah. And I always had like little, what are they called? Like on the
2: side of your... details. So yeah. 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 That's exactly how I was picturing it. Yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: Probably because my mom was like, what are we going to do with this hair? Just <laughs> put it up. <laughs> I love it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm trying to think, like, childhood stories like that. Like, I remember I was more on the savings side. Like, I had one of those little piggy banks with, like, one and two cent coins in it. I oh, felt very smart. special. Mm. Yeah. But also, like, I did a lot. I don't know if you guys would have done this as well. I'm sure you probably did. It's the kind of, like, fundraising selling type stuff, like, mm. through your school where you would, like, you know, take a box of chocolates and have to sell it and you're yeah, fundraising okay. for this, that, or whatever so that's probably the closest I got to any sort of entrepreneurial stuff as a, as a kid. I don't remember anything before the age of like, I don't know, 20 or so when I.
0: Yeah. I thought you meant like in general, like you just have no memory of before being
2: 20. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: just no out. Out. Um,
0: that's an issue.
2: <laughs> no memory of trying to make money. I was not interested in business at all. Like mm-hmm. I was antithetical to business, if anything. So, yeah, it wasn't really in my wheelhouse. The first thing I probably did business-wise was start a tutoring business Mm -hmm. just because I was – I mean, I'd worked as a tutor as a job and then I was living in the middle of nowhere basically and nobody would employ me because I was overqualified for every Mm. job. And uh, I sold Avon for a while. Literally one thing I could do by myself. Mm -hmm. I guess that was probably the first thing I did that was like a business. I um, delivered leaflets, you know. Like junk mail, where they give you have to like sit and fold them all, and then go and oh deliver God. them. Yeah, and you it got like terrible. twelve cents an hour
0: or something. Yeah, it was terrible because it was per per leaflet, like per thousand yeah. leaflets.
2: <laughs> and then I'm like, my God, there's got to be a better way. So I'm like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna start tutoring because I obviously you know I have a, I didn't have my teaching degree at this point. I just had my other degrees, so it's like, but I know how to do maths and English good. So <laughs> So I did a bit of that. So that was probably the first, yeah, like business I ever had was mm. tutoring. You've just, just made me
0: remember that I also did a ton of babysitting
2: and I didn't mm.
0: enjoy mm. it but I really wanted the money. Right. So, yeah, and so I did it a lot and, yeah, it was bad. Babysitting, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Were I, you a bad God. babysitter? I never did No, No, I don't know. I just seemed to attract like the difficult families or difficult children. Yeah. So, I'd, I, would, I, you know, I'm a nice person so I would put up with it and – get the money but yeah it was really terrible thinking back yeah anyway yeah money's good babysitting's great (laughs) although I should preface this that was only a couple of ones that sort of stuck out to me the really good one was that my current accountant was my babysitter when I was little and then I babysat her kids and they were beautiful but like so so good that was the best babysitting job ever ever (laughs) and now she babysits my kids Oh my gosh! So it's a babysitting chain, yeah. it's a babysitting chain, and she's getting—you know—she's an adult now, and you know she might get married and have babies or whatever, and um, maybe my kids are babysitting. Yeah, her so kids it's like she needs to do it now, so it can keep
2: going. Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay, Anywho, so what about so you next?
0: Adult yeah, form? more adult. Well, I was sort of still teenager-ish, I mm-hmm. guess. Maybe actually, no, I think it was uni. So yeah, adult like over eighteen. So eighteen, nineteen, twenty-ish fully into the jewellery making Mm. but also doing like photography. This is where I was like spreading my creative wings out to every sort of different pot. That's mixed metaphors but, you know. (laughs) So I was doing a lot of photography for like model competitions and just people in general who like aspiring models but then like selling jewellery and then just started like making a whole bunch of different stuff. So that's kind of where that sort of crafty selling started, I guess.
2: Okay. How about you Deb? I guess
1: so I'm leaving to the side all the small jobs you know like the retail hospitality mm. all that stuff and more like the actual oh I'm getting paid by someone it's not an employer it's directly to me and I mean you know legally it's been the same because it was for it in it my name as in like I'm a sole trader so you know it's just been me but the names have changed over the years and I started essentially it was consulting in like online marketing so for small businesses. And it was really word of mouth in Australia. I was like, oh, Deb knows online marketing. She can help you with that. And I would go and meet with those people and they'd tell me what the issues were. And then we'd make a plan to like have a strategy to get out of it. And it sort of got me to a point where everyone wanted me for SEO or PPC, the Google AdWords. Very Google-based deal back then. And I guess because it was word of mouth, that's kind of what happened. Like you have one person that you helped with that. And then they're like, oh, this girl, Deb, helped me with... My ad campaign so you should get her for that and so then you started i started doing a lot of that which i honestly didn't enjoy so much i just my brain was good for it but i wasn't you know i wasn't super excited by the idea of like getting to words every day but i was just fresh from france in australia very much feeling like oh my god i can actually like maybe make money here like just working for myself like this is amazing back home I would be like in a you know an office blah 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 and I just was all pumped because of that so I just kept doing that for a little bit that's essentially how the like the freelancing kind of journey started
2: that's really cool Mm.
0: that's so I I'm like speechless because I'm a little bit tired but also because it's like that's you know it's not what you're doing now but it's very closely related like yeah I mean all the stuff that I've done has been so wildly
1: like off track
0: kind of thing and that's
1: Yeah, it's been fairly. I mean, to me, they're vaguely different, you know. Like, Mm. but if you look at the entire like last 10 years, the all like overarching theme is like Deb does online marketing and business. Mm. Oh, and design a little bit sprinkled in there too. But it hasn't been like I was doing photography and then suddenly I was doing this and that. Like it's been very much in the same kind of niche, I suppose. Mm -hmm. But there's so many different things you can do inside that niche that it's like I've just sort of changed
2: specialties a few times. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Do you struggle with figuring out what price to put on your products? I think we've all been there and it can be really confusing and frustrating trying to work out exactly where to price our products and put them in the marketplace. So we wanted to make it a little bit easier for you by putting together a free checklist. In this checklist, we take you through all of the things you need to consider and include in your pricing and also a few of the things you might want to consider when it comes to adjusting your pricing once the math stuff has been sorted out. So you can get a hold of that free download over at thebusinessofmaking.com forward slash get freebies. What about you, Jess? Well, again, I think there's lots of different sort of little ideas and things I was toying with online, but nothing that really did anything or went anywhere. Like you know, uploading graphics to Cafe Press, the print-on-demand site, and stuff like that. But that was just dabbling; like I wasn't taking it seriously. Yeah, my jewelry business was really the first serious business. Like I had a blog that I took relatively seriously before that, but I didn't really. I didn't really know anything Mm. (laughs) about online marketing. Like I've been learning a little bit about it and uh, I was really just doing it for fun. I wasn't really doing that blog for any business purpose. I think I might have chucked some Google ads on there or something, you know, back in the day in the mid 2000s. But it wasn't until I started Ethereal that I really actually started like learning how to run a business. I knew how to build a website. I knew how to run a blog. So I kind of accidentally got all that grounding in the tech side of things and mm. but I didn't realize that was such a good foundation I guess like I'd always had this dream in my head that I would somehow one day work out how to make a living online just but it felt like a bit of a pipe dream like oh you know so that's why I'd always sort of doubled with things and sort of tried to learn about how you could possibly do that mm. but yeah it wasn't until the jewelry business that something actually worked I guess.
0: Yeah, that's so. Uh, I can't think of the word. I'm like, stick with itness. Like, you know, you mm. found what worked and you stuck mm. with it and now it's really great and, you know, it's grown and da da da. I feel yeah. like each thing that I've done, I won't say tried because I tried and they were all like successful, but I never stuck with it. <laughs> so it's like, I never saw them through to fruition because my interest in each thing would just change like I just mm. it would like I'd have same with you I'd have that foundation like that being able to build a website and do the branding with mm. my graphic design background was such a step up so I already had that foundation that's like yes I've got I've got past the bit that a lot of people find really difficult mm. and I've got the product and people want it and they're buying it and da 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 and then I'm like oh shiny thing over here that I want to try instead <laughs> so I'll just leave that one to die and go and do this <laughs> instead And done that, like, several several times. Like, with Mm. jewellery in particular, it's I've always made, like, it's not costume jewellery, like, not Mm. fine art jewellery. That's not the right word, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, just people would wear it once or twice and then it's not like heirlooms or anything like that. Like, they're not (laughs) keeping it for 20 years. Maybe, but you never know. And so it's like, I don't know, they've also gone through iterations and I would always brand the styles they're like wholeheartedly I'd go fully in I'd be like this is the brand of this there's a collection they've all got names I've got got the earring tags for everything I've got the branding I've got the business cards I've got the website everything 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 and then I'd be like mm, I kind of want to just do something else now so yeah. like I have <laughs> Juno jewelry I have glam jewelry was the first one when I was you know 17 or something glam jewelry was so cool and then <laughs> Very bright and colourful. My mum's friends, it's like, Deb, when you said that their neighbours would just, you know, buy stuff to be nice. I feel like yeah. all my mum's friends came over for, like, a jewellery party, like an Avon party, Aww. and they all bought stuff. I'm like, oh, thank God. Now <laughs> that I know, now that I realise, I'm like, they probably didn't like it that much. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Glam Juno Jewellery. And uh, then I just, like, went with my name, Michaela. I can't remember what I was making there. And, yeah, just, like, so many different iterations always with like years and years of gaps in between and like I'm sure I've said multiple times on the podcast before I started the online business stuff more. Well, not started, you know, went into it more wholeheartedly because I've always been doing 10 things at once, which is the dumbest idea ever. Anyone wanting to start a business, don't do that. (laughs) But, you know, I still have hundreds and hundreds of acrylic pieces to make and put into, Mm. you know, pieces to sell and I'd still like to do that but they've literally been sitting there for about seven years just waiting so you know one day maybe when I retire I'll get back into it and like maybe Harriet can do it
1: Harriet could do it that would be yeah. super fun actually
0: yeah but I feel like I'm definitely I'd love to know if anyone out there is similar and hopefully you're not because hopefully listen to this podcast you want to like build your business and you're doing it the right way but well, like so it's fine,
1: no to change your mind a little no, bit. no like, no yeah I but I mean cool, like so being it's...
0: so enthusiastic to the point where you mm. get a bit of obsessive around the branding and the launching yeah. and doing all that and then not following it through so not like sticking with it to actually yeah. build on it so like I have so many probably seven or eight different foundations of fantastic mm. product-based businesses that you know if I'd just done
1: the one thing and built it then it would be you know yeah and amazing I think thing. we've all seen that happen to some people for sure I'm sure like in your members or students you you do see some that can't seem to get quite past the starting point because they love that stage and they mm. love the yeah you know, actually I've got a better idea for a name and the rebrand and I'm going to change the colors of my color palette and it's going to be slightly different and sometimes you just have to go like hey this is a way of procrastinating you've been yeah in that three totally. times your brand's not perfect it's okay like keep going with it because it's kind of yeah yeah you get in you get on a loop and it's kind of yeah. like the entrepreneur brain as well like that's the fun part it's like the very like yeah. you know it's like when everything starts and it's very exciting then you have to do like the shit work of <laughs> like actually yeah. being consistent with your marketing and all that's not as fun <laughs> yeah totally
0: yeah. and it gets boring yeah yeah and I, I guess I just hate being bored so I'm like I and mean, I'm okay with that like I don't want this to be like oh <laughs> Michaela oh PD. like I don't care I don't actually want to run any of those businesses because I think I am a bit of a hobbyist in terms of product businesses Mm -hmm. I am a bit of a hobbyist in that way so that's fine with me but I think my expectations were not at the same level as my enthusiasm as in like at the start I'm like yes doing the exciting stuff this is going to be so big and great and amazing I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to make heaps of money but now I'm like oh no that was just because I enjoyed Doing that mm. for a bit, and it was never it was never supposed to be this big thing. Yeah,
2: and there might be people listening for whom that's the same. Like, yeah, mm. I know I've had students who have come and gone. I realize this isn't actually what I want to do. Yeah, mm. you know, I'm happy to keep it a hobby or a thing on the side. I don't actually want to take this full time. You know, it sucks the joy out of it for me. All of those, and I think of, people could yeah.
0: get a little bit stuck in that. Mm. And I guess, sorry, I'm sort of jumping around thoughts here, but. This is sort of what I've realized from starting to do my research into this space is that we there's so much messaging around, yes, you can do it full-time and yes, you can make a full-time income, which is 100% true. Yes, you can. But at the same time, it takes probably a lot more hard work and effort than what you realize. And Mm. at the end of the day, if that's not what you're in it for, if if that hard work doesn't drive you, then is it really worth it? And do you just want to do it like part-time? And that's also fine. So I think the Yeah, I don't know. It's just interesting to, like, get into the expectations a little bit and thinking about the pressures that people put on themselves to try and reach this random target when maybe a different situation is going to suit them better anyway. Yeah,
1: Mm. absolutely. Yeah.
0: Sorry, bit of a
2: random tangent there. Yeah, we should. Continue back to your other businesses. Okay, so I started Ethereal and that was going well and then I started Bespoke, my magazine. About a oh, year and a yeah. half. Oh, yeah.
0: That was me too. I did that too. <laughs> you did. I totally forgot it's about met. that. It's how we met. It's
1: how we met.
2: Yeah. So I started this little zine bespoke because there wasn't, I felt like there wasn't anything like that for the creative, like crafty community in Australia. I mean, there was mixtape, was around. That was another zine that was in that sort of space. And yeah. So I started a print magazine by myself. That was crazy. <laughs> and I just did it by like pre. Order, you know. So I, I sort of pre-sold it, and then I can't remember if I crowdfunded the first one. I don't think I did. I crowdfunded the calendar I did at the end of it, but I think I just launched it and did it. And yeah, Michaela actually volunteered to. Design. I was like,
0: I've got. I can see the potential in this. I got to get in on the ground floor. Yeah. I don't really know you, Jess, but I have
2: design skills, so let me design this for you. <laughs> yeah, which was awesome, and it makes me. It just reminds me of how. I feel like we were way more connected back then. Maybe it's just mm. me. I don't know, but I no, feel like I the agree. craft community in Australia via blogging. I well, I was, was
0: gonna say yeah. especially online because there was yeah. it wasn't as saturated as it is now. No, like, I think that was, might be the way. Yeah, there was less less of us, so, so it was like more. You we know, you trying. could easily get in touch with people, and it wouldn't be like I'm one of millions trying to contact you. It's like yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Hey, would that still be online? Because I just Googled bespoke Magazine and the first thing was just like this super fancy like diamond watch, whatever. I was like, that's not it. But then there was a Tumblr link. That's called Beesbok Magazine, Promoting Handmade Talent. Um, that
2: might Beesbok is a
1: quarterly that. magazine published in Australia. I mean, this is hitting all the blue boxes. Yeah, I
2: think right it probably is. I probably
1: just totally forgot. This is making me, me so happy
2: that I found this. You have no you give idea. Me the,
1: give us the link in the chat it's so I can help It's magazinetumblrcom Tumblr, I mean, can we talk about yeah, it like that? It wow. was on Tumblr. I love it. Dot it's so nice. Tumblr.com. Put it in the chat for you. Late, this late making is it in everyone can so hear that tip, tip tap tap
2: tap tip tip, tip. Oh, yeah no, that's it didn't work oh this is great i didn't even know that was still there that's hilarious interviews
1: with creatives diy craft projects tutorials handmade products creative and indie business tips and so much more with a strong emphasis on highlighting quality handmade products talented crafty people creative businesses doing amazing things and reflecting on the art craft creative industry now, and world,
2: world. this is cool okay. So I don't think this is, I don't think I set this up because I sold it. Yeah, I think this might have been maybe. I think this was the next owners who set this up, which was Elle and. Robin. Yes, Robin, Elle and Robin. Because, yeah, these covers are not, this cover here, like issue, whatever this one is, 14, that was after my time.
0: Right. Yeah, we only went up to issue 11, I believe. That was how many I did. But
2: there you
0: go. Yeah, there you I go. Did, by the way, I, was, I just
2: want to also say after the first issue, I did start paying her. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: for I don't her even work. remember. <laughs> I remember though. You know what I remember is that yeah. issue whatever, might have been maybe the last one, I was very pregnant with Raf and the deadline, I had to get it to you <laughs> and then I had the baby and then I sent you the file.
2: <laughs> yes, I remember. That's how dedicated yeah, so I've started Bespoke and I ran that for a couple of years and it was great. Like, I had contact with so many people in the handmade community in Australia and it was really fun, but it was a lot of work. Cause i tell it was, you what, it it's was. a
0: lot of work. Like I did one online magazine called Mega's Magazine, which we can also find somewhere. I don't know, I don't know where it is. And it was a fucking so much work that I didn't do issue two. Like I did one. I did one. That was it. So
2: I don't think I ever actually made money from bespoke because no. like, I sold ads in it mm. I sold subscriptions it was a labor of love it was but then but then the idea for setup shop came along mm-hmm. my course and I was like I really want to do this and I was talking to Nick about it and he's like you can't run through businesses <laughs> <laughs> I wish it's someone had said that to work. me because oh. um, I was already working stupid hours back then still ethereal wasn't going to go anywhere because that was our main actual earner yeah bespoke wasn't really earning us any money it was more a labor of love as you said and he's like what do you want more and i'm like i want to do this course and i want to run with that Mm. because i think that's going to be one i think it's going to be really helpful but two i think it'll make us more money uh let's be honest so Mm. i yeah i sold bespoke because it was i mean it was successful the amount of work i had to put in it it wasn't profitable per se yeah a well
0: a single that is the kind of thing i feel that you need to do in a team and yeah. like it, yeah yeah i mean i had you
2: but i did oh, all, yeah, the, but, like, I did all the advertising no yeah you did and the hard bit and <laughs> yeah <laughs> really
1: yeah it's <laughs> funny because you wonder you know there's also because there are some magazines that like if you think the handmade seller for example which is probably mm-hmm. the largest at the moment but it's online only because the mm-hmm. print world is sadly kind of going under but you wonder if, you know, if you had had that drive, if the answer to next question would have been, oh, no, actually, I don't know about the course. I really want to give a shot to this magazine. You wonder if that would have, that the difference between that and a project that continues like what Danny did with the handmade seller. And I just think mm-hmm. it's so funny that we all kind of dip our toes in different things. And then in the end, like, the result is more so like a decision of how you feel about something mm-hmm. and what you want to do rather than whether it was successful or not. Because you are away mm-hmm. on your way to make it work. You could have kept working at it and, you know, then have a bigger team and subscription and blah, blah, blah. But it's just that you were like, you know what, not for me. I I think that's such
0: such a good point to make because so many people feel, and we might get into this a little bit more in the next episode, but so many people feel like them quitting their business is a failure and it's not.
1: No, it's not. Because it's like, yeah, it's just not like <laughs> yeah, yeah. And actually yeah i, I, I took us on, on, on a tangent but we're definitely we're going to cover that in the next episode because yeah. we want to talk about like changing tack or do you need to quit and when do you need to quit and how do you know you need to quit mm-hmm. um so, yes, we'll, so we'll, we'll probably get back into that in the next yeah episode. i won't go down the rabbit hole i was just going to do because yeah, that yeah be sorry next i took you down there <laughs> <laughs>
0: i'll talk like you a bit had more about a little bit of a cookie and you're like come this way, McKella, come this way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: <totally. laughs> and I'll talk about more about how I made that decision and how it all panned out in the next yeah. episode as yeah. well. Yeah, great idea. So, so yeah, then I I sold that and then I started Create and Thrive with Setup Shop as my first product under the Create and Thrive banner because I'm like I'm so I want to start because until that point like it had all all of this had been running under Ethereal Designs that was my blog back in the day. Like that was the base all of the stuff that like the jewellery business for bespoke like obviously i started its own website mm. and then that's it really create and thrive has been an ethereal have been my main businesses for almost 10 well over 10 years for ethereal and coming on to like nine years or something for create and thrive now mm. And I haven't really started anything else seriously. I've like I've toyed with a few other bits and pieces like teaching yoga and mm. you know, my SMR channel now. Maybe one day we'll make some money. I don't know. I'm not really aiming for it too. You've also
1: like you consider like a planned channel. Yeah, I was gonna so say you one. planned Instagram too.
2: And that's I guess
0: that's kind of the difference between again the stick with itness and the, the things that we think of as more hobbyist stuff. Like those mm. things fulfill you. But you're not necessarily – and if you make money from them, great, but they're not necessarily like this is the business that I'm running. Mm. Yeah. Like, like
2: my interest, mindset around it. My interest in like the plant stuff waxes and wanes. So I was very careful with that. I'm like, okay, so I know my tendency is <laughs> I get really interested in something and obsessed with it. And then I'm like, how can I make money out of this? <laughs> <laughs> That's me too. <laughs> and then – but I'm at the point in my life because I'm already running two three businesses if you count this one, business of making – um, not that I do anything, thank you, Ivy, but you know, <laughs> um, except turn up and talk. But, um, I'm at the point in my life where I'm like, let's just, let's just hold off on that part mm. of things. Let's just, let's just run with the fun stuff. And then yeah. if three months' time you're still into this and you still want to do it, great. And usually yeah. in three months' time, I am not. So <laughs> That's
0: yeah. so smart and it's such a lot of self-control like and again like that's kind of where i am now too but not really by choice because i'm kind of forced into it by work and research like there's just no time to follow any of Mm. the interests but i think again yeah like as you kind of get older and wiser you sort of realize like oh like yeah it does wax and wane and it's like am i going to be this excited in three to six months time and if i'm not then don't I always go back to my websites that I built for the jewellery and for whatever else and go, oh, my God, I put so much work into this. Like the thing that I made is so good. Like what Mm. a waste of time, (laughs) which it wasn't wasn't because it's all a learning process and that kind of thing. But, yeah, it's kind of like how about we just hold off and see if this is actually going to be something that I want to pursue or if it's just this fun, shiny thing right now.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's – and, I mean, honestly, if I hadn't followed the fun, shiny things, I would never have had my businesses. Mm. But it's about – sticking to the right ones, the ones yeah, that, yeah. Have that you have that ability to stick to slash they are actually profitable. Mm, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of important. Remember that step. Yeah. Yeah kind of an important can i actually make money from this yeah or like if you can't
0: then it's a passion project and that's also fine but you've got to realize that that's not going to be your it's not going to be your sole income so how are you going to work that out sort of thing yeah
2: exactly yeah Yeah. so and then let's go back to deb where were we up to we were up we were to yeah i was freelancing
1: around little debbie can help you with your online marketing needs (laughs) But I ended up kind of getting stuck in that Google SEO, Google AdWords, PPC campaign stuff that I wasn't super fond of. But what happened with that is that everything is linked in online marketing. So like the moment you start looking into this kind of campaign for someone, you have to look at their website. And then there was obvious Mm -hmm. problems there that were not converting into sales. So then we'd have to talk about redesigning that. And I'd always help with like the making decisions based on like analytics of that. But then I didn't have design skills and I didn't have like I couldn't get in and change the design. But I was frustrated at that because I'd be the one making the brief for a designer to go and have fun. In my eyes, that's what I was seeing. I was like, (laughs) I'm doing the shit part of analyzing. And then this person's having fun drawing a new website, you know? And I was just like, how do I do this part? Because that's what I want to do. So then I kept doing, I was still freelancing, but I went back to studying. I also kind of needed a study visa at this point, let's be honest. (laughs) So it was like, it was a win-win. But I did want it to go back to study something somehow useful so I went back and did a diploma of graphic design. And I don't know how I turned that into somehow knowing how to do web design. I, I taught myself essentially, I actually bought book like HTML5 for beginners, CSS <laughs> for beginners. And I was having so much fun on the weekends, like learning how to code because I'm such a nerd. So then I was like, okay, great. Now I can do the behind, you know, the more analytic stuff and the design stuff. I'm going to have a marketing and design agency. Let's you know, let's be big. And so I started this thing called Hummingbird Digital. <laughs> Please. I love
2: that.
1: <laughs> oh, I think it's so like, a bit kitsch. I don't know. The story is that Hummingbird, uh, in French is Colibri and that's the name of my street. Like where oh, I grew up, cute. was born, you know, my parents still have this house. And so I just called it like that. And it's kind of a cute bird. So anyway, started that. Started selling even hosting, doing hosting plan, maintenance plan, and because I was thinking, mm-hmm. you know, subscription, I can get clients on, get their website, then I can keep them on the retainer, blah, blah, blah. And it all made sense in my spreadsheets. Like it was all like, this is a great business model, but I just wasn't loving it. Yeah, this is this thing that you can't really explain where you're kind of like, yeah, this works on paper and like if, you know, I I was starting to do more marketing and it was starting to work better but I was just kind of like, I just don't really like my clients and it sounds horrible because they were really nice people like I'd, I'd like them on a personal basis but their businesses, I was kind of like, yeah, I can't really get behind what you're selling and that was a problem Mm -hmm. with me like I realized that my values being aligned with the people I work with was super important or I felt wrong Mm -hmm. trying to you know help someone make sale of a product that I was like this is kind of shit crap made of plastic from a factory somewhere that's probably employing people that you know are too young I don't know I'm making it dramatic it wasn't (laughs) like that but you know it was a bit like that I was just kind of like yeah I don't know I don't really have faith in your product and then when you do design projects as well for clients and you don't like the business You're not going to like the design you make because it's kind of like, you know, doing a website for a gym is not the same as doing a website for a jewelry brand. Like It's so much more fun to play with a jewelry brand. So then I was like, oh, I need to niche down further. And I think at that point I had helped a few friends initially that were makers do their Mm -hmm. website and their marketing. And so then this whole word of mouth thing started happening with that niche. And I love that. And I was like, this is great. Like, yes, let's say no to the clients I don't like and work more one-on-one with people. And that's how I kind of went into, I think I rebranded at some point and I called it Easy E-E-Z-Y. Don't ask me. I don't, I don't know. I did this thing <laughs> like, of rebranding. Easy. <laughs> I was like, I'm just going to rebrand. I don't know why I did that. I don't remember the story behind it. I just know the business name changed for some reason. And then it became Tizit and it was all very much a new thing and only handmade focus. And then my problem, initially I wasn't going to sell courses or do programs. I didn't even really know this was a thing, to be honest. To me, I've always been one-on-one in freelancing. So I was like, this is what I'm going to keep doing. But became very clear that there was less budget in this niche than in people that were owning like gym complexes and you know what I mean like because it takes time to build a website and do a full strategy for someone and then implement it and so you you know you reach out to like a maker that's like can you help me with that and I'm like yeah it's going to cost you thousands and they're like oh thank you very much but no and so they (laughs) instead started saying well instead could we go for a coffee somewhere and you show me how to do it and so I was doing those like lesson on like how to build your website with makers that just couldn't afford me to do it for them and and that's Mm -hmm. how I went into the whole oh maybe that's what I do and then I I teach it to people and then that moved me into like the education kind of realm
0: it's so organic how it's just all like yeah yeah it
1: was it wasn't really I wasn't thinking every time oh I'm gonna give up this for that it was just kind of like Oh no, I'm doing Wall Maker stuff, so I guess I'm not really caring for this hummingbird easy thing, whatever that was. (laughs) And I just let that fade out and the clients was, you know, the retainer would end and I just wouldn't renew it. And it was just kind of like yeah, it was a bit like you. It was just kinda like, Oh yeah, I guess shiny thing here, I like it more. Mm -hmm. And then I stopped doing the rest. And thankfully this shiny thing then was sticking and is still what I do now. Yeah, well there's a
0: reason things are shiny. It's because we're interested in them and I think Yeah. We've talked about this before, is like trying to like sift through what is like actually valuable and what is not. But like yeah. I guess, I mean the message is don't ignore every shiny thing. Like,
1: yeah, <laughs> no. it's like you've just got to sit with it and wonder why is it shiny and is it is it worth like running after it or mm. not.
0: Because it could be that like epiphany point, right? It could be yeah. that spark that's like, I don't know, like don't, I think it's important to not ignore those things when mm. they pop up because it's like, oh, that this is now making sense because this idea is converging with this idea and like boom, oh, here's the answer sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. just knowing like when it's that epiphany spark versus, oh, yeah, I could do that.
1: And that's creativity (laughs) as well. And I think it's important to remember that when you start and you don't quite feel like you have exactly the product line you want or the business you want or whatever, and you're waiting for this to look perfect on paper before you start Mm. working at it, where, in fact, more ideas will come when you are working on things, discovering what you like, don't like, and discover more about you and the type of work that you're doing. And so that's why people get stuck in that loop and they keep starting because they never actually work for long enough on something to discover really, to do a real, like, constructive pivot, you know?
2: Mm. Yeah, Yeah. totally.
0: Hey there, Maker. Are you loving the Business of Making podcasts? We're loving bringing it to you, but we really need your support to continue producing the show. You can support us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Depending on your level of support, you can get perks – like behind-the-scenes and extra special content, including video, a link to your shop on our website, and even a shout-out on the podcast. Every month, we also release a special secret podcast episode available only to our Platinum patrons. Just head over to thebusinessofmaking.com forward slash support. I think um, we've pretty much reached our... Well, I mean, well, if we talk about Michaela, we could do 10 more other things, like graphic design <laughs> services, web design services, da, 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 da business <laughs> services, running the makers hub, craft make workshops
1: websites people as well for a while. Doing all of that stuff. We all love a little, a little bit of code, eh. We all love a little bit of nerdy computer stuff, I think. Yes. Yeah. Definitely.
2: Well, okay, I I two more that I think we should talk about. Mm. I'd like to ask you about Deb doing the makers biz summit thing. Oh, mm-hmm. That's right. And I think yeah, yeah. you need to talk about actually starting a real-life shop business for a while mm,
1: yeah too okay make though. you go in and then i'll talk about the makers stuff and also i guess i need to
0: preface all of this all of these ideas that i've had over the last you know 20 years have always been supported by work as in through i don't i never really got into retail i was always doing weird jobs like dog walking or like swimming instructor or you know (laughs) other things but I've always worked alongside of it I've never just like quit my job and gone yes I'm gonna start this massive thing okay so I was working as a teacher in college so year 11 12 and I just fell into somehow teaching craft workshops at the local handmade shop where I was selling my jewelry so it's all like kind of connected that way and I started doing this in random places all over Canberra so I had to hire out like community halls and stuff and people went gangbusters for it. Like they really wanted to do these craft workshops, they wanted to learn how to do things like new things, not just to like upskill in their own crafty skills but also just as a release so the market for it was really large and varied it wasn't just a certain type of person like people just wanted to do it to get away from their jobs kind of thing after a long day and it got to the point where I was like I think I could do this in a in an actual like shop type environment like in a bricks and mortar store and then I went obsessive about it and I did a you know I did a whole business plan I planned for a year and then I left my job but I took leave without pay at first so I didn't just quit straight out so I still had that safety net where I could go back. You know, I went through the accountant, I went and did all the official things, and I opened the Makers Hub, which originally was called Canberra Creatives, and it was a space where people could come and we'd run craft workshops, but also run business workshops, but also do retail, but also, but also, but also, like, (laughs) too many things, which is the story of my life. But mainly, it was the craft workshops, and again, it was really successful, but then I had a baby halfway through, and yeah, couldn't, like do it like like I was still working a lot but you know I needed other people to come in and do stuff which meant I had to pay them which meant all of the money that would meant to be coming in to like pay the rent would be paying other people to run the stuff and anyway it was all a big thing and we'll talk about it more in the next episode about how I realized it was time to stop doing that but it still goes back to that whole like I still believe in it. I still believe it was mm. a fantastic idea. I still believe someone else could do it, like, really well mm. in Canberra and it could be really successful. But I lost interest. <laughs> you know, my interest levels in running the workshops, kind of like you, did. like I kind of just realised I don't really – like, I like people, but I'm not an extrovert anymore. I'm much more introverted mm. now. And I kind of liked performing as the teacher. Like, I had my whole – what you would call a script of the whole two-hour lesson – and all the jokes hit at the right times and everyone laughed and that was great and I enjoyed that. But like just the all the other stuff around that with the small talk was really quite exhausting and I didn't enjoy doing that anymore. So anyway, long story short, I did that for about three years and then closed it down. Also decided I wanted to reach more people with the business stuff because that's really where my passion has lied the whole time. I guess like that passion thing, it's like obsessive versus passion. Like I can get Mm. obsessive about something and see the potential in it and say someone should be doing this and no one's doing it, so I might as well do it Mm. versus this is actually something that I'm going to be passionate about for, you know, the rest of my life life or Mm. the next 20 years or whatever and I am the person to do it versus I'm just going to do it because someone should be doing it. So Mm. anywho, we can talk about that more in the next episode as well. But I closed down the space and then went fully online, teaching business as you know, Jess and Deb both do as well, but it's kind of like I'm definitely from a, well, this is how I failed. This is all the ways that I, it didn't work, so don't do that. <laughs> um But more so focusing on like all through that, like through the zine with Jess and like through making all those connections with people, there was this constant thing of women who were perhaps just a little bit older, like around in their 40s where we are now, which is so funny to think about, but, you know, 15 years ago, when we were like the younger ones and the women in, you know, their mid-40s are like maybe a bit less tech savvy and they're like, I don't know how to do this and you mm. you seem so on the ball and how do I do it? And just that mm. thread of wanting to help people, having that teaching background, yeah. having that like online techie skill stuff and going, oh, it's not actually that hard, this is how you do it XYZ, sort of all just as your mm. journey, uh, Deb, kind of came organically together eventually to go, oh, this is the thing, like that's that epiphany thing, like this is really what you should be focusing mm. on, that it's sustainable and you're passionate about. And then so that was all working really well and then I'm like, oh, I'll just go and get my PhD and uh, <laughs> no time to actually focus on that business anymore, but yeah. it's still related. So entrepreneurial stuff currently, it'll pick up once the PhD is done, obviously,
2: <laughs> but it's all related. <laughs> but in the meantime, yeah. you're also a full-time university lecturer.
0: Yeah. So I basically went back to work because also, you know, life priorities changed a little bit in that I wanted to get my house renovated and I realized it would take time to build up the online business side of things. So if I wanted this now, I needed money now. So I got to went full time, which is great. I mean, it's the same. I'm still helping people. I'm teaching young people to start Mm. their own businesses. We do a business course in the uni. So that's really fun. So it's still all related. And then I get to do the research and that will then, you know, help everybody, hopefully, mm. <laughs> with whatever results we find from that.
1: Mm. Oh.
0: Yeah, so sorry, that was super long again.
1: Damn. No, it's not, and I love that story. It's so funny. When I hear you two talk, I'm like, oh, look at these amazing, brave women that just do things. And I was just like, this just excites me. Anyway, <laughs> what am I talking about? Oh, yeah, the Makers Bees Summit. Yes. So when I went from meeting people in cafes to teaching them how to build a website themselves to realizing I could do it online. And I knew already that because all the people I was working with were already makers and I wanted to keep doing that. I started looking up who was there online and what essentially market research, like what is happening? What's this online education thing? People apparently sell courses and things. What is going on there? And who is there? And so I was reading a lot of blogs and that's how I met you too. Like essentially I found your websites and I was like, oh I like what these chicks are doing. And I can't remember exactly how the idea of the summit came to me, but I think at that time there was a fair bit of summits going around. Some were good, others were starting to deteriorate and be a bit like shitty sleazy and kind of like a sales feast fest. Sales feast. (laughs) Yeah, that works too. And so I think I just went, what if I did it for the makerspace? I think there had been one before there definitely had been one before. I can't remember what it was called. I forgot her name. Is it Jen Lee from the business book,
2: Creative? Yeah, she did something like
0: Yeah, the Right Brain Business Plan. Yeah, that's actually how I got into the business thing. So when I did my business plan, ready to leave my work, I did her business plan course and then they were yeah, it's good. like reselling that as like you could be a facilitator. So that's what I started yes. teaching to people and then I was like, oh, I think you should be changing a little bit. Anyway.
1: Well, yeah. yeah. Your turn, Dip. So she had done a summit, I think, for a few years, and she had stopped. And I remember contacting her, asking her if she was doing that. I think I pretty much asked if I could do one. I don't know. It was just too nice then, because you don't ask that. You just do it, people. But anyway, yeah, and so nice. she ended up talking on the summit as well. And she was like, actually, I'd love to, like, chat to you on the summit. Like, I could come and talk about the book and all. And I was like, oh, yes. And so then I just invited everyone that I liked. <laughs> and I just went <laughs> into full, let's do a big thing. My end goal, it wasn't just, I want to do something great for the handmade world. There was definitely that. And I put a lot of energy into making sure that people were not going to just pitch. And we're really going to like, I spent a lot of time figuring out the content of the event and who was going to be a good fit for what, so that it really felt like a program and not just like random kind of talks. It was an enormous amount of work. I didn't sleep for six months. Like it was just ridiculous, but well worth it. And the end goal for me was to build an audience Faster than if I had to do, you know, Pinterest for a year plus Instagram for a year. But, you know, I was just like, what can I do that would kind of like help me like, like build an audience? And because every speaker shared to their audience, it brought people back to me. So that kind of started my audience for Tizit after that. But yeah, and I did it two years in a row. I never planned to stop it. Like I, this is another thing with me. It's just organically It didn't happen again. Because I studied the membership and I just, it, time, like just mm. busy and wanting to stop working like a crazy Deb, person. Deb, I
0: think we're quite similar. Like, you know, Jess had a, sat down and had a very sensible conversation with yes. her husband who's like, well, you can only do anything. And we're like, we're just too fucking busy and we can't do it, so we um, have to let
1: it go. Something's got to drop. What is yes. it? Yeah, that's pretty much what happened because I remember when I didn't do it the third year in a row, I actually said it'll be back and I meant it. I never meant to for this to be the end of it, but then the following year I just couldn't fit it in and then I couldn't fit it in and I just, yeah, couldn't fit it in and I, it's just what it is and then I was just too busy working with the members inside the HQ and I just it just stopped happening. doesn't mean it will never happen again, but I'd be hiring 80% of it out <laughs> mm. <laughs> versus doing all myself <laughs> like I did the first two years. It was not nuts, nuts. nuts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's how we met, Deb. Yeah, obviously. and that's how we yeah. met, yeah.
0: What did yeah. you do for yours, Jess? Did I do one? I feel like I did something too. I can't
1: yeah, you remember. did photography. For the one. Jess did. Was it seven something something website or Etsy shop? But I think it was a listy kind of. I can't remember now. Don't know. It was I've amazing. Though. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but it's funny, and you know, it sounds a bit chaotic. I feel when you explain like what you've been doing for the last ten years. Like right now, I feel like people are like. These people have just been doing a bunch of stuff at the same time. And it's like, yeah, and there's probably a bunch we've left out as well. Like, mm. Oh, yeah. 100%. I was still doing consulting in Freelance until a few years ago. Which, like I wouldn't even mention it because it was corporate businesses. I'm still trying in, to like, finish a
0: website right and, now. It's yeah. like my last client ever. She's been so patient with me. She's the best. She's the best. But so patient with me and I, I'm, gonna, I'm supposed to be marking this afternoon. I think I might finish the website instead.
1: Yeah, there's so much. Like even locally, I was still helping someone locally until not long ago. The UN, I was working with the UN last That's year, right. then I decided doing to stop that. You'll we'll probably keep that for the next episode. I was too hard, I decided not to keep Have we done that. an
0: episode on when or how to say no? Uh, surely. Surely. Well, if we <laughs> have, we'll link it in the show notes. If we haven't, we'll definitely put that on the radar for Yeah. Soon.
2: How to make the decision say no I guess yeah
1: because we all get asked to do stuff and, and sometimes it's just really just really, reminded really me of hard I'm to doing. say no like I remember it was actually exactly a year ago the UN thing because it was the October holiday last year I remember because I was on a, on a trip away with Nick and his dad and his wife and like they both coached me through that decision. It was, a, it was, my ego was in the way massively because I had worked mm-hmm. for them already. They wanted me to do more work. And it was, yes,
2: I remember talking
1: to you about that. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. It was uh, and
1: it's my ego cuz it versus, aligned, it aligned so well with what was It was, was Yeah, it know. was the UN, but it was for handmade and it was essentially to become a head Etsy coach for them. And I was just like, this is amazing. This is all I want. So yeah, it was difficult. I'll talk about it in the thing, but yeah. Once I let the ego go, I was like, the right decision is to not do it and keep doing my work mm. with it, which is essentially the same mission. But I can have more impact with my business than I would with the UN, which sounds really ridiculous to say, but it was, yeah.
2: And make an actual
1: living out of it. Yeah, well. yeah. There was, there was definitely point. a financial element, too, that was... It's just a busyness because it's not like I was. If I had taken that, I would have had to drop a lot of project for Tizet, and I just couldn't mm. afford to mm. do that. So it was it, also that time thing that always comes back into the picture. Where at some point you're like, I can't just do everything. I, can't, mm. I just, you just can't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hey,
0: well, well. Yeah. I think we're basically up to date. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I don't know, I would love to know if anyone's taken some lessons from an episode like this where we're just kind of talking about what we've done. I guess because like some people might feel like they are a bit choppy and changey or like not sticking to something or if they are sticking to something, maybe they're bored or whatever (laughs) your situation might be. Do episodes like this help you? We'd love to know. And also we're going to next for our next episode for our Patreon episode, talk about how to know when to actually quit. Something and or you know pivot or change track so that or I think start. or start <laughs> start yeah. something new so I think that's going to be really valuable if anyone out there is sort of feeling like oh I'm, I am doing too many things or I don't know what to do or I'm just really like stuck in the trenches here and I don't think I want to do this anymore but I don't know or I haven't been making money for five years and when do I know um, when to quit. You want to be a Patreon of ours to be able to listen to that episode. So jump on over to patreon.com forward slash TBOM. And you can join up there and you'll be able to listen to that episode as well, which will just, you know, uh, what is the word? Not escalate, jump on, compound the great things that we talked about today.
2: (laughs) Reinforce, build upon. Yeah, Yeah, all of
0: those. I'm a researcher, man. I know big words, academics.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I know many big words.
0: Well, we enjoyed ourselves. We hope you enjoyed yourself listening to us. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate all of you. And you will hear us next time on the Business of Making Podcasts